0: Welcome to the Unwritten Life Podcast, where we share that your deepest pain can lead to your biggest gain, and that your story is still unwritten. Now introducing your host, Tim Sawhook. Sawhook. Welcome to the show today, everybody. I'm so excited to have you here for another episode of The Unwritten Life Podcast, As always, I am your host today, Tim Sawhook. Very excited to have you on board for another great show today, guys. Hey, just wanted to thank you guys so much for listening every week and downloading it. And I know this number doesn't seem huge based upon other podcasts and things like this, but this number is huge to me. This past week, we have uh, already surpassed over 7,000 downloads of the Unwritten Life podcast. And for me, that is such a cool number because that means that 7,000 people's lives have been impacted by the stories of the people that have been on the show. And that makes me so excited because the whole purpose of the podcast is to spread that message of hope and to show that your story is unwritten. So that means 7,000 people have now determined that, hey, there is hope for me, that I do matter, and my story is unwritten as well. So I thank you guys all for being part of that big number, for downloading the podcast and really being part of the community. It really means a lot to me and all the people who take their time to be on the show each week. Well, on today's show, our guest is really going to touch on a bunch of different topics today, and it's different than my normal podcast where maybe there's just one continuing theme. Uh, but this person really talks about her life with depression and eating disorders and growing up in a family with uh, a parent who is addicted to drugs. And she really comes through with an amazing testimony and shows you how to live a life with grace and with God's help. So here is my conversation with Bobby Gray. Well, I'd like to welcome Bobby Gray to the show today. Bobby, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, Talking to you a couple weeks ago and hearing some of your stories, I knew that you would definitely have a chance to make an impact on people, and that's what the podcast is all about. So thank you for being on the show today.
1: I appreciate it.
0: So I told Bobby because she had a a bunch of different things that she kind of wanted to share. And, you know, typically we have people on. They maybe have like one story to tell. Bobby has lots of stories. Um, And she I asked her to send me some bullet points about her life and kind of her story. And she said if she had to choose a title for her podcast, it would be Unmasked. Do you want to tell us why you said your your story would be called Unmasked?
1: Yes. Am I allowed to cry in this?
0: (laughs) You're allowed to do all the crying.
1: Um, I would say... I am probably, which I think many people in our society today are this way, especially if you're in the church um, realm a lot, if Mm -hmm. I want to call it that. Um, So for me, growing up with some of my um, stories that we will touch on, I would say I was, I don't want to say raised that way, but I was Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately needing to wear a mask at all times. I didn't know who I could trust. I didn't want people in and knowing, you know, knowing ultimately the ugliness of my life or what happened behind closed doors at my house mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So I think I got to a point where um, I had to wear a mask all the time. Right. So ultimately I wanted to call it unmasked because um, in the last year probably of my life, I've gotten to a place where I have a core group of people um, mm-hmm that's been a, you know, trial in itself, but that I could be vulnerable around, that I could be, you know, they know my deepest, darkest, and they still love me, right, so I would say I've gotten to a point where I am now unmasked with certain people, and yeah. uh, and sometimes even people that I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me, I need to tell them, so, right,
0: no, I think that's perfect, and I, spe- I think especially, one thing you touched on is that you felt like you had to wear a mask to hide your ugliness. And I think a lot of times ugliness is just perceived ugliness on our part. It's really not as bad to anybody else, but we think it's a hot mess. So we try to hide it. And I think the mask thing is even bigger now with social media. There, everybody is wearing a mask or I guess you can call it a filter (laughs) anymore. A, A different filter. How they put a little different lens on their life. So it makes other people feel inferior or, a hot mess because everybody else looks perfect out there right
1: right yep oh yes. yeah i think perfectionist um or or i would say okay in, in in january of 2018 um usually i get a word from god for what that year is going to be and mm-hmm. what i need to kind of like work through and perception was my word for 2018 oh wow and i mean it hits i don't know how many people i've talked to where perception is you know Perception is everything, and really, it's like, no, we're wearing masks, I mean, for people to perceive us as successful, or perceive us as humble, or perceive us as we have it together, Right. I don't think anybody has it together. No. (laughs) I want to meet that person if they do.
0: (laughs) I will introduce you to that person if I ever meet he or she, um, which I don't think that's ever going to happen until we get to heaven one day.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: So like I said, you have a variety of things, and so I'm going to do things differently on this podcast than I normally do. I usually don't really have many scripted questions at all, kind of it's more conversational, but since you do have so many different really good points that I really wanted to touch on, I'm just going to start with this, and one of the earliest memories you had was talking about growing up with your father. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Um, Yes. Before I get into it, can I say that (laughs) what I say, um, he is fully redeemed now, and he is living for God, and probably the biggest. Influence, Holy Spirit-wise, that I have besides my mom, Um, and and of course my church family, but he is a huge inspiration. So, um, okay, I would say some of the things I've dealt with through my life is based primarily from my younger childhood days, and I am going to cry. It's okay. (laughs) I am empathetic. I am emotional person. So, um, no problem. Yeah, at a young age, I mean, probably age of four or five um i can remember you know going places with him his friends house and and seeing mm-hmm. water bombs and and um just drugs right. so um he always worked to provide i mean he was a working i would say a working addict if that's mm-hmm. a word sure um, but i was always trying to strive to be i think accepted by him
2: Mm-hmm.
1: accepted by my mom. Now, I didn't act out in ways that some people can, but, um, you know, my mom was keeping it together. So I think uh, just growing up with addiction in your family not only affects that addict, mm-hmm. but affects all the players in the game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to that. So um, so that, it, it was, you know, at a young age, you don't know. Uh, you know something's off, but... Right ultimately, um, you don't know how it's going to play out for the rest of your life.
0: Right. So your dad, when you growing up, he was addicted to drugs. Yes. So what kind of drugs was, was he using and that you were exposed to?
1: Um, from just remembering, I would say, um, marijuana primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there was other stuff. I don't know. (laughs) I've never really asked, you know, details of that, but but ultimately, I can remember um, marijuana being the primary topic and issue mm-hmm. um, all the way through my high school years.
0: Okay. So what what point, at what age, because you said early on you knew what a water bong was, but yeah. what point did you really have any recollection or know, like, okay, my dad is doing drugs. He is addicted to drugs. At what point did it click for you? What age were you?
1: Um, I would say when it finally made sense, probably middle school age, like early pre, you know, teen, I guess. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I knew it was off when I was younger. Um, I mean, I can remember pop cans being used, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I can remember just from a very young age, I would say when I really noticed and, and understood what was going on and, um, you know, you learn from your surroundings I mean, in reality, so, right. you know, watching my mom and how she reacted, and it was it was a mask for everybody, Right. Um, but I would say middle school, to answer that, would be okay. when I realized, because, you know, you're introduced to things at a young age. I would say eighth grade, I definitely knew. Probably sixth, seventh grade was my first understanding. Okay. And
0: Well, let me ask you, did you have any brothers or sisters growing up, Bobby?
1: No, I have an only child.
0: You're an only child, okay. So... Yeah with your dad being addicted to drugs and you're being exposed to this and stuff, how did that impact your family?
1: On so many, uh, levels. So financially, mm-hmm. um, you know, my mom was, my mom is a warrior. <laughs> yeah. I will say that. And, um, and he knows that now, so they're still married. Um, All right. 35. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, the emotional roller coaster of, you know, are we going to, Have lights on? Are we going to? I mean, we never had lights turned off, but I mean, there was a couple instances where I can remember um, the electric getting ready to be turned off and having to call my mom and say they're here to do this. And so um, the emotional roller coaster of are they fighting today? Are they together? Are they going to separate? You know, are they and trying to do whatever you can to keep it together.
0: Right. (laughs) Sure, and that's a lot of stress as a child to have to think about oh, are the lights going to be on today and having to deal with people showing up to turn the power off or whatever the situation is and not wondering, okay, are they going to split up today? Is, is this the end for our family as we know it? Um, and I'm sure that really had a long-lasting impact on you growing up, that oh, yeah. Im- impression of like I'm sure you try to figure out where you fit into this whole puzzle. How can you keep it together? And keep yeah. the family together.
1: Oh, yeah. Ultimately. And and I would say that, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're trying to accept. I almost tried to persuade my mom. Like, mm-hmm. what he's doing is okay. He's still working. And, you know, and it became a, a tension between my mom and I of, right. you know, why are you defending him? Why you always take a side? And, I mean, ultimately, it was acceptance. So <laughs> Right. Like I wanted. I wanted a dad that I saw from other, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I would say it, on an emotional roller coaster for years.
0: Let me ask you today. So now, I mean, you talked to just before we started that part of this. Excuse me. This part of the conversation about that your dad is now fully redeemed and he's not into this stuff anymore. Your parents yeah. are still together. He's doing well. What about? Talking about this right now is making you so emotional. Knowing where he's coming through on the other side. What part still hurts your heart and makes you so emotional about it right now?
1: Um, honestly, it's to see where he's at now. Mm-hmm. Like, to know what we went through to get what we got today right. is worth it. <laughs> but at the time, it was, I mean, hell most days. Right. I mean, if I'm being honest. but. um sure. But to know, like, I wish you could come to church and see, it, and see it, like, he is so on fire for God, and it's been years. It's not just been a couple of years that he's been, you know, clean and redeemed and everything, but to know that people, uh, he prays for people, and he prays in the spirit, and God can, you know, right. God speaks to him through, you know, ways that I've yearned for God to speak to me. Right he's just reached a whole nother level. And to know that my, my, my kids have never seen that side of him. Mm -hmm. So it's almost a new chance, a new opportunity. And I'm grateful and blessed that they will never, you know, go through that roller coaster with him. Right. Um, I mean, they see him as he's in church and he's praising God and he's worshiping and speaks of God all the
0: time so well that's awesome so you really you're crying out of like I we've been there we went through it and now we've come through this part on the other side I'm just happy that you 100%. have that right now
2: 100
0: and I mean I know you keep trying to defend your dad say he's better now he's better which is great you know and yeah. there's nothing wrong with someone going through something horrible and making something great of themselves on the other side you know exactly. through God's grace and you know being clean because i think so often that we when we go through struggles or stuff that are bad in our life that we don't we don't want to address them even though we've come through and that we're a different person now and better results but i think i think it's really important to go back to almost thank your bad self for putting yeah. to you where you're at today yeah because if i wasn't this way i never would have strived to be better than i am right now exactly um, so i think it's very important that uh, the whole reason this podcast exists is that your story is unwritten, that anything yeah. can happen in your life through many different things. And so, yeah, so definitely, I think it's amazing that your dad is where he is today, though. But I think it's also important to address the past. You know, exactly. the past is what defines you and a lot of things that you've gone through and where you're at today in your life, right?
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I I cry. I mean, I cry through a Hallmark commercial or (laughs) Tide commercial, whatever is, I mean, I can just, I can be there in seconds because of what we've been through. Yeah. So I almost get that emotion, you know, and sometimes like I would say here in the last, probably about three years ago, I had to deal with somebody that, that told me that was a weakness. And I mean, I probably grew more through the last 2 years trying to get over what that person spoke into me right that it's not a weakness i mean uh-huh. i feel like empathizing and and being there with somebody through whatever they're going through knowing you've been there too or you've been in a similar situation you've overcome mm-hmm. something i never want to give off the impression that i have it together um ever because i feel like that is a weakness and Mm -hmm. more than you know being an emotionally unstable for a split (laughs) second to like relate to that person but um i feel like i probably have come across that way uh you know in my younger years um maybe judgmental in a way that i was really just hurt and trying to fill that void yes um so i I would say I, i mean relating to somebody in their situation and being there and being present with what they're going through mm-hmm. is, is in no way a weakness no and i hope everybody understands that
0: yeah vulnerability does not equal weakness No, and that's what people need to understand being vulnerable with yourself or being vulnerable right next to somebody who's also in a very vulnerable state is yeah. not a weakness that's a strength That's an amazing trait. And a lot of people do. They confuse vulnerability for weakness all the time because they're afraid if someone sees me cry or someone sees me this, that they're going to think I'm weak. Absolutely not. You know, it just makes you human. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. So I'm glad you shared this portion of your story, though. I I think because there are a lot of people out there right now. If if there is anything that's the biggest thing going on in the country right now, it is drug addiction, right? There's so many, especially with heroin, especially locally where we live in Warren County. in Ohio here, um, it's a big, big problem. And so to talk about it and, and it's, and I'm great that your dad is recovered now and doing awesome, but to also talk about the hard parts because there are some people who are up in it right now, you know, and, and they don't see that light. They don't even see like, I don't see this person ever coming back. They're so far gone. And if you could speak to that person right now, what would you say to them, Bobby?
1: Oh, I would say don't walk. Don't even if you have to walk, even if you have to crawl, but if you can run, run straight to the cross and, and just pour out your heart, leave it there and move on. It's going to be a struggle. It's going. I mean, you're going to have battles,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: um, I mean, without God, we wouldn't have what we have. I mean, my mom prayed and prayed uh, for years. So I would say, wherever you're at if you have to crawl if somebody has to drag you just tell them mm-hmm. and get to the foot of the cross and get right
0: yeah no i love it i don't think you can get better advice than that um moving <laughs> on some other things but <laughs> no that's perfect i mean where else can you go there's it's be- yeah. better than that There, yeah. there is nowhere
1: there no-
0: um, I want to talk about some other things in your story, and I think this is, relates to something you talked about. You talked about having acceptance from your father growing up, that you really just wanted to be accepted from him. You're talking about overcoming not being good enough. What was that like growing up? Talk about your first – what's the first memory of not measuring up to someone or other people?
1: I don't know that I have a, a memory of of not. I just had a – I would say a lie from the enemy where – trying to keep our family together. If I could, you know, be the best gymnast or be the best cheerleader, or be the best, you know, in volleyball, whatever sport I tried mm-hmm. to play, um, I wanted to be the best at it. Cause if I was the best at it, he would show, you know, I felt like he would show up or my parents would want to be there and, and, um, you know, to <laughs> almost to make a, a picture perfect, uh-huh. um, you know, but I would, I don't know that I have an actual memory. I think there's just several things that played out. You know, one with, with having a drug addicted father. Um, you want that acceptance, you want to fit in to whatever mm-hmm. is going on because the time that you have is limited sometimes. I mean, because addiction just takes over on all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and anything I could do to probably get attention whether it got me in trouble or not, I right. <laughs> tried to do it because I knew if I, was, if I was in trouble and he was speaking to me that way, I knew his attention was on me. Right. So. Well,
0: it almost sounds like that, you know, you said you were only child, but it sounds like actually it was your parents, you, and the addiction. Like, you all yeah. grew up together. Yeah. So you were almost competing with the addiction to get that attention that the addiction got.
1: Yes, 100%. And right. I think that's why ultimately my mom would say, you know, why are you defending him or why do you? It's because I wanted to like, if addiction had to have a place in our family, I wanted it to ultimately us to be equal with it. Right. So that we could continue as a family.
0: Right. And you get that attention. Yeah. I mean, now seeing that and hearing that, it does sound like you're always just competing with the addiction to get that attention that the same thing that he craves so much who you could crave you in that way as being his daughter and wanting to be there for you. Yeah. Um, couple of things you also talked about is not being good enough leading to you being a perfectionist. It also led to you with some eating disorders. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like?
1: Yes. So, um, during, I did competitive cheerleading growing up. Um, and I can remember, you know, we went from a certain uniform to a midriff uniform and, You know, ultimately looking at everybody else's bodies and knowing that you're not probably where you should be in order to wear a midriff, Mm -hmm. by no means was I fat, but by no means was I fit. Right. (laughs) So, I think body image came full force at that point and there was a cheerleading coach that I had uh, competitively, not uh, through high school or anything, but that picked at my stomach during a practice in front of everybody. Oh, you no. Know, um, you know, said I needed to lay off the pizza and the donuts and wanted me on this strict, strict, like, no pizza for six months, no diet, you know, no donuts, whatever it was. And I'm like, I don't really care for pizza. Or donuts, <laughs> <but> <laughs> what am I going to eat, you know? Right. Um, so it, it ultimately went to uh, almost me restricting what I was eating. And then I kinda got to a place where I could, I understood that I could eat certain things and throw them up easier. Um, and that's just being very, very raw right now. So um, I realized that, you know, with that I could, I could really do any, I mean, there was a limit of what I could eat, but it made it look mm-hmm. like in front of people I was consuming. You know, so if we went out somewhere, I would get soup because it was easy to come up. I mean, I got to a place where I knew, I knew how many calories were in certain things. Right. And then um, I got busted by my parents. I mean, that my dad ultimately, what I would do is if they kind of caught on that I was going to the bathroom right after dinner. Right. Um, and I would say, I'm getting a shower, and I would actually throw up and then get a shower so it all looked like. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Sure. If
1: I had this, I had it all figured out. And then they caught on, so then I had to do it in my bedroom and try to figure out how to throw away the bag. And and my dad ended up finding it um, outside my bedroom window, and so that was almost oh well, I'm getting the attention, right? He's, he's paying attention that that this isn't right, and so um, I I think just trying to strive for that perfect family, you know. Um, everything matched what I mean in high school my clothes match my hair bow match my underwear match I mean right. everything just had to be a certain way for me in order for me to kind of get through that day and get to the next day and and ultimately it came crashing down <laughs> but
0: right well let me, t- let me take a little step back in your story so so you're batting with a uh, eating disorder bulimia yes how did you overcome that
1: um, those things that, don't
0: just come and go usually.
1: Yeah, no, that went on until, um, I mean, I met my, my husband now. Um, I mean, I hid it for years. I, I would say when I miscarried, um, I miscarried twins with uh, our first pregnancy ever. Mm. And I thought that I hadn't stopped in time. Because once I found out I was pregnant, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not living life for just me anymore. Right. So um, I, I tried my hardest and you know, we miscarried about three months into it and the probably darkest time because you're, you're mentally exhausted <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, right. break a cycle that's went on since you were 14, 15 years old. Um, and I had some, you know, we want to say valleys and mountains. I would, I would, feel sure. like I had it together and could stop. And then I would ultimately come crashing down and go right back into the cycle of what I've done. Um, so it went on until I was well past about a year into our marriage.
0: So how many years was that then?
1: Uh, probably about eight to nine years.
0: So what kind of toll did that take on your body, Bobby?
1: Oh, um, I struggle today. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have periods. I ended up, um, you know, cramping more, not having the periods in the doctor for that, Mm -hmm. Um, having problems going to the bathroom, Um, sore throat up until this day. um, I had burned some of the esophagus.
2: Um, So,
1: um, you know, when I go to my ear, nose and throat doctor, it's, you know, you're always going to have a little bit of a sore throat. I mean, so it... Physically, um, more than uh, more than I thought it would at that age.
0: So let me take a step in the story here. So if people are listening, parents are listening, people are maybe are listening who are dealing with an eating disorder. What would you say to them right now? What kind of hope? Just specifically for those people, or maybe warning signs for parents or people who are up in it right now? Because usually, like I said, one podcast is about one topic. You have so many topics, so I really want you to kind of speak to someone at the very end as we kind of move on from one thing to another. Um, what would you say? What kind of advice would you give?
1: I would say, especially in their younger years, um, like teenage, I would say get, reach out, get help. Um, there's a healthier lifestyle to maintaining weight and, um, you know, eating what you want ultimately and, and being able to maintain that, um, and one of those ways is how I've met you,
2: <laughs> yeah. you
1: know, through workouts and, and even walking, anything to break the cycle that will harm, harm you physically. Um, the repercussions are much worse than I, you know, at, at my younger years, I would have never thought, you know, that I'm going to have problems doing, you know, going to the bathroom when I'm older and, and right. um, you know, cause in that. I mean, I don't want to go backwards, but in that, no, go ahead. Um, I abused laxatives as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I was just trying my hardest to get the weight off and and be what this coach wanted me to be so that I fit in with the other girls on the team. So, you know, my mom would probably <laughs> tell you <laughs> to watch your medicine cabinet then and watch the routine uh-huh. of what happens after dinner. I mean, if, if the signs are there, all, you know, probably truth is there's an issue and it needs to be dealt with and, and not to come down on that child. Right. Um, you know, come from a loving standpoint, don't bring in outside people, talk one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I, I ended up in a psychologist's office and to talk about an eating disorder and it, I feel like it almost made it worse. I wanted to just have that re- Conversation with my mom or my dad. Um,
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Why do you feel like talking to a a professional who helps in those kind of scenarios? What did it make it worse for you?
1: Um, Because I didn't have that conversation. Really, the conversation never happened at home. It was let's go straight. You know, well then we're going to get you help, and this is where we're going. And I I do agree with going to a psychologist if that's if it's needed. Mm -hmm. Um, but having that, not ultimately the attention from what I was doing, but the one-on-one attention regarding this, we love you, this isn't healthy, then you know, what can we do here to help and start Mm -hmm. there versus, um, you know, even if you feel like, you know, parents aren't psychologists, they (laughs) can't come at you from that angle, but they, they know you better than anybody. Right. and starting I think with that core thought mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, my parents never put the pressure on me to be a certain size or be a certain way ever. Um, I did that myself. So I would say just come from a loving standpoint. Don't bring in siblings. Don't bring in aunts and uncles, <laughs> just mm-hmm. your immediate family that's in the household and that can, um, start there Ultimately versus just going directly
0: to a psychologist. Okay. I mean, because like you said, a lot of parents definitely, uh, I'd say 99% of parents aren't equipped to handle that kind of thing. You know, like you said, they're not psychologists. They don't do this professionally. But your advice is at least start in the home, have the conversation and say, hey, we know you need help. We don't know how to give you the help. So let's go somewhere together. But talk about it first there. Don't bring everybody in. and Come down on the person because I could see that being a harder thing. um, Definitely because you already feel like you're Doing something bad as is and then you get scolded for it so the cycle continues um i mean that's a really powerful thing and that's why i wanted to come back to see what you did and it wasn't just like i had an eating disorder and now i'm here um these things are long battles people still have lifelong consequences of as you're talking about as an adult having certain difficulties and things um another thing you talked about was negative self-talk self-image and i want to speak to you about that for a second. and it all kind of plays in with the eating disorder and stuff like that, and I feel like um, I, I'm a big fan of Shanti from Insanity. Um, yeah. You know who that is, and yes. I've spoke about him before on the podcast. He's great. He's very motivational. Not only is he a great instructor, but he's a very motivational guy. And on his podcast, he did a whole episode about self talk and negative image, and um, it stuck with me because I used to be over 350 pounds. I used to be a big guy, and I lost weight, but I still like anybody have body image issues, even as a guy see pictures of myself and I'm like oh my god I'm so fat like even though clearly I'm not anymore but I still deal with that and one thing he said is that in our life we barely have time to do things we like we barely have time to hang out with our family go out to eat exercise go do fun stuff and all the things we do in a day but we still take the time every day like you're not good enough you're fat you're ugly and that day when I heard that podcast it really hit home because probably like you or anybody who deals with body images, you don't like having pictures of yourself taken. And not anytime that. we always had to take a picture with my family, they'd want to punch me in the face because I'd be like, let's do it again. Let's do it yeah. again. And I hate that one. Let's do it again. And they're like, dad, enough yeah. already. And it made me think about all those, the times that I'm wasting my family's time and complaining about things. And I decided like right there, I'm not going to do it anymore. Now I still struggle with it, but I really try to Like okay, I am good enough. I'm the best shape I've been in a long time. What more could I possibly do? Can you tell me about how that affects you, and maybe things that you've done to counteract that in your life?
1: I would say up until I mean I've struggled with it. Um, I probably still struggle with body image. I don't. I don't know that you can ever. You could probably fully heal heal from it. I mean I know that's out there. Right. Um. It always trickles back in. So, uh, for me in the last couple years, as far as, you know, negative talk, self, whatever, uh, I try my hardest <laughs> to, if I don't get my Bible in, um, mm-hmm. affirmations, you know, finding positive things that I can stick around, right? Um, whether it be on my, my bathroom window, mm-hmm. um, or I save it to my phone so I can scroll. I have a actual, like, area on my phone that is just pins, from Pinterest, stuff, yeah. positive affirmations that I can go back to and say, you know, it doesn't, you're always, people are always going to want to compare themselves to the person next to them and you can't control them. So I think for me in the last couple of years, it's been, I can't control them. I can control me. Right. So what am I feeding myself, um, you know? Spiritually speaking, I mean, and probably literally as healthy as I can get. Right. Um, and changing the mindset of the negative talk to positive affirmations and feeding that into me as much as possible.
0: Yeah. No, um, I, I love that because it is. You really, truly need to feed your mind with positive things. You really okay. do because when you are on empty you can't give to yourself or you can't give to anybody else i mean if you've been on a flight before and they talk about when no airbags come down what do they tell you to do first they tell you to take care of yourself first yeah. yep. so you can help others yep. and it's the same thing so if you're not taking the time for any kind of personal development anything to fill your bucket you're going to be on empty and you cannot run emotionally physically spiritually on empty you can't do right. it and so you I feel yeah
1: i feel like if you are not feeding yourself, ultimately, whatever you feed is going to come out. So I don't want to pour into my kids' negative. I don't want right. to pour into my friends' negative. Uh, now, I do have my core friends that I can I can be real and raw and complain to, and sure. then 10 minutes later, we're moved on and we're past it. Right. Um, and those people keep close because
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can find somebody that you feel like you can do that with and even though you're being negative in that moment, right? Um, that's the person I was speaking about earlier. It was like they used that, and I mean, tore me apart. Mm-hmm. And and it was like I really had to think. Like I'm not always negative. There's a if I'm coming to you, I feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know I'm saying this now. Ten minutes later, I'm going to be fine about it. But I got to vent. You got to be able to vent to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, it's it's find that safe person. And then pour whatever you can, you know, Bible devotions, affirmations, because you're going to, God's going to, whatever he places in you is going to be used to speak to somebody else. And if mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, I can't be used.
0: Right. Absolutely. You got to be ready. and <laughs> No, I, you're a thousand percent right. And I've used this. And matter of fact, I think I posted it on social media this past week, you know, about it's about not just finding your gift, but giving that gift away to people.
2: Yeah. You
0: know? And I think God has personally given us something special inside everybody, you know, yeah. as these spiritual gifts to give away to people. And it's not a gift unless you give it away. So, but you got to be ready. You yeah. got to be ready. You got to fill your mind and your heart with good stuff. So when that time comes, you are ready to go. You're filled up and you're ready to roll. So I think that's perfect, you know, about filling yourself on, on the good stuff. So you are, you know, you're like, all right, I am good enough, you know, and all those wonderful things. So that is perfect. Um, something that we talk about on the podcast all the time, I'm a big proponent of is depression and mental health awareness. And I know you talked about, and recently, this is one of the reasons I even reached out to you to be on the podcast because you shared a post on Facebook about this and talked about with uh, a battle with anxiety and depression. And, um, I want to talk about, you know, what was depression and anxiety like in your life? And actually, I want you to share some of the stuff you talked about on Facebook, too, because I know that's a very vulnerable topic to bring up, um, especially with your history with your father as well. So do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's a stigma, I think, across the United States and in the world in general that something is majorly wrong if you're depressed or Mm -hmm. – you know christians throw out all the time well if you're anxious about it you're 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 worrying too much and you're pulling that away from god's hands and and it's so easy to say that unless you're battling it you right. know when you're in that place of depression and anxiety and right. anything can set you off and you don't know what's ultimately wrong and you're just you feel chaotic mm-hmm. almost 100% of the time you want to slap those people. (laughs) They're not the people that I want around me at that time because I need somebody to talk me through it. Listen, hear me out.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I would say, you know, depression was probably an issue. And I don't want to say family genes probably. Um, And so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: battling it, um, And I would say I have probably more anxiety than I do the depression. However, I feel like they can go hand in hand.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So if I'm in a place of chaos and can't control it, that's probably my biggest set off is I feel like I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you grow up in in the atmosphere I did, you know, you (laughs) – As an adult, it's like how can I control my finances? How can I control this? How can I make sure this doesn't get shut off? How can I break the cycle and not um, and not repeat it? So, I would say that it's just been it's been a constant battle. Um, My anxiety probably went through the roof, you know, as an adult and having my my oldest child who battles anxiety as well. Right. Um, it's a totally it is exhausting yeah it it is exhausting so um trying Mm -hmm. to keep it together as far as you know your kids and pouring into them positive things but but dealing with the anxiousness the fear right um, you know it's it can be emotionally physically draining and you just you don't see an out for a while
0: right well let me i want to speak to the depression and anxiety especially with being a christian um and let me first say anxiety is something that keeps you a, a prisoner. I mean, yeah. it is there, and it's like locks you in this prison, and it always has control over you, constantly pulling you in. It, when you think anxiety has gone, it's like, yeah. I'm
2: back. Exactly.
0: It, you know, just when you think you beat it for like a second. Um, but so my, my father's a pastor, so I've always grown up in church and stuff like that, and I always – and I battled depression. If anyone's not heard my podcast, go back and hear my story. I'm not going to do the full thing right here. But uh, I battled it from probably late teens into an adult. And um, and it was really severe. But my dad would always talk about, you know, obviously pray for things first, you know, pray for God to help you. And I believe in that 100%. Um, and, but he would also talk about all the time. Like everybody wants to have a quick fix and take a pill for everything. And everyone just wants to get a pill and do this. So early on when I battled it, I didn't go to the doctor because, like, oh, everyone just wants a pill. So I was like, I'm just going to write it out. Yeah. And it didn't work for me. I'm not saying that God can't heal you from depression. I, he can do anything. Yeah. But for me, I had to go to the hospital many times. I had to be a psychiatrist. I had to get the right medication that worked for me, which obviously God supplies these people to have these jobs to have to make medication to help people. So. Right. When you have people coming in like, hey, just pray about it and you'll be good. You're like, I've done that like a thousand times and (laughs) I I can't breathe. I've been locked in my basement for weeks. I'm thinking about killing myself, all these things. So I wanted to balance that for people who would listen. Definitely pray to God for help. But also you can seek help help through others who have been put there in your place to come walk alongside of you right there. So I don't mean to hijack any part of your story, but I wanted to
1: no.
0: say those things need to go hand in hand and to realize it's not wrong to go to a doctor to seek help. Um, it's, especially,
1: it's not. I, I feel like, um, and not to cut you off, I feel no, like you're fine. with that, it's it goes back to the, um, do I want to say uh, self-image of mm-hmm. comparing to the person next to you? Um, If that person's not went through it, um, how, why are we validating their opinion so much
3: that, you
1: know, don't go to, don't go to a doctor. They're just going to fill you with medication and and throw medicines at you and throw medicine. I, why it was, I, I did that for years, especially with my oldest because Mm -hmm. I didn't want her on a medication because people were going to judge me. Right. But our home life, you know, having a peace in our house and having um, a joy in our house was way more important than what that person thought. Correct. So I think overcoming what people say and choosing, do I accept that? Do I learn from that? Do I move on? You know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not everybody's opinions are like butts. (laughs) We all know that. (laughs) Everybody has one. Don't take everybody's opinion to heart right you know yourself and if you need help i would say to that person seek it find a doctor there is nothing wrong with it there is right. nothing wrong with it so Absolutely. You know, my, my daughter some a lot of people close to me know my daughter is on a medication that she won't have to be on for her you know whole life the doctor and i have talked about this but it's getting us through this time right now where she can function and handle things, you know, as a young kid, sometimes it's very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I just, people's opinions just go through me sometimes. (laughs) You don't know, you know, you don't know our family structure, you don't know, you know, you know, my husband being law enforcement, there was a lot of nights that she lost sleep because she was waiting for that garage door to close and hear the door. Right. So there's more than that, you know? So I just, I feel like a lot of people's opinions Everybody's going to give them. Right. You have to decide whether you accept it or you move on.
0: Well, let me lead you to my next question then. So, how much anxiety did you have about putting this post out about helping your anxiety and the medication that you're on now?
1: Um <laughs> Okay. So, I didn't really
0: So, let's talk about this, yeah.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say that I I was stressed about it, but I wasn't super I think I'm ang- I was more anxious or nervous about you know, I'm a business owner. I work for myself. So how that would look, um, my husband's law enforcement and military. So how that would look,
3: Mm -hmm. um,
1: you know, I'm a big proponent of like, let me build my husband up and put his career first. And, and I hope nobody ever judges him based on what I do, you know, but ultimately I knew that this had worked for me. Um, and I just didn't care. I got to a point where I was like, people have to know about this because, Good. I mean, my daughter's noticing a difference. My youngest, you know, my youngest said, Mom, you don't yell as much when you're on this. And it hurt. I mean, that hurt because I thought,
0: mm-hmm. I know
1: I yell. I know I'm a yeller, you know, um, when you ask six, seven, eight times, um, Yeah. You no. Know, it's you yell, you eventually yell. And so this, I'm almost more calm. I still eight, you know, eight, nine, 10 times later, I'm still, you know, um, asking nicely, please get your shoes on, please, please brush your teeth, whatever. Um, but she's noticed that the medicine that I take now, um, or the oil that I take now is helping that. She doesn't really understand, you know, she's six, but she does know that whatever it is, is helping me stay calm and I'm not as, um, you know, easily unnerved, I guess. Right.
0: So talk about what what is it that you're using now?
1: Um, I use CBD oil. I started it, It's I'm on my sixth week, and, um, you know, there's a stigma out about that. Now, that was hard for me because the stigma is you get high from it.
0: Do you want to describe what it is, first of all, just so people do not know?
1: Um, it's an oil derived from hemp plant or, yeah, hemp plants, I'm sorry, <laughs> thinking, and a lot of people think it's derived from marijuana, and it's going to get you high, and you're going to test positive on your, you know, uh, any urine test or whatnot, so, you know, going back to having a drug-addicted father, I was very nervous to try it, like, even me, myself, like, what is this? I'm seeing right. so many people have success, you know, close friends of mine, um, one of my clients, that I was listing their house, we sat down at their kitchen table, and I mean, we had a heart-to-heart, I absolutely love them to this day, and he said he used CBD oil, you know, and I went home and researched it, but thought, I can't do that, not after what my dad's went through, not after what he's, you know, been redeemed from, and it's not the same thing at all, um, but I, I do take it, I put, you know, two drops, two to three drops under my tongue each morning, and two to three drops at night, it's a natural, God-given plant um, that is helping tons of people. So I got to a place where I just thought, I can't hold this back, and I don't care, you know, how it makes me look as far as a business owner. I am not getting high. It is a natural plant, that I don't deal with the depression. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't deal with it. I can say 100% no depression. Anxiety still, you know, fluctuates. Um, but it's at a minimum. I mean, I can almost think through the situation versus allowing myself to get so emotionally involved and emotionally elevated. Um, I really, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I don't know how to describe it, Tim. (laughs) Just like,
0: it works for you. It's working through. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Without. Yeah. Freaking out first.
0: Yeah. No, I, and that's one of the reasons, actually, I saw you post that on Facebook, and I was like, I'm going to reach out to her. I know she's got a story under all this post on Facebook, yeah. and obviously you do after talking through yeah. everything here. No, and I think it's important that you shared it because I think people do – like I didn't even know much about it. I would heard about it, and I thought it was from marijuana it's too. I, didn't, I have no clue yeah. um, what it is. I think it's an education type thing. It's so new that people are using it that no one really knows, and they're scared like you talked about. Um, so I thought it was really brave of you to share it because regardless, if you put out every fact in the world that there's nothing wrong with it, people are still going to have their preconceived notions are. about it and they're still going to think, eh, I don't know why Bobby's doing that. That's not the right thing to do, but I'm glad you were brave enough to put it out there and say, this is what's helping me, you know, yeah. cause the same medicine I'm on, it's not going to help the other person. You know, it, right. everyone has a different thing for everybody and I'm glad that you sought some additional help and got that and you're feeling better and instead of. The situation controlling you, you now, like you said, you're controlling the situation, yeah. and um, and in fact that your daughter can see it, like mom, you're not yelling as much anymore. Versus like heartbreaking to think, like oh my god, I was yelling so much. Yeah. But oh yeah, it was a, it.
1: when she said it. I mean, I was like devastated that have I spent her early yeah. years, you know, <laughs> hollering over stuff that I could have, you know, not. I mean, but yeah. but when you're in that moment and you you feel like you can't get out of it. I mean, I don't know how to describe it other yeah. than if you're in that place, you know it's not as easy as a light switch and, okay, I'm it's not. I'm Bobby again. You know, it's it's
0: it's not a choice.
1: Yeah, it's not. And it goes back to the stigma. You know, even though this is natural and it helps people, um, I mean, we've done some young living oils for my daughter, like lavender at night, and, you know, yeah. to help just keep her calm and stuff. Well, both daughters, but there's a stigma on that. I mean, it doesn't matter. And ultimately to, you know, people listening, I would say, find what works for you. Do not be afraid to try it. You don't have to tell everybody that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do what I mean, if people notice a difference and they ask, share it with them. But you don't have to tell them I'm going to the doctor for depression or I'm going to the doctor for anxiety go to the doctor in privacy and yeah. do what you need to do to be the better version of you.
0: Right. No, I think it's very important to share that because depression and anxiety is its such a big thing right now. I mean, it's even more, I think it's always been a big deal. I just think it's getting more attention now. Um, but I think the awareness needs to be there because there's such a stigma with mental health. Like yeah. you can't, I swear if you told anybody you broke your leg, they'd come bring you something to your house, cook you dinner, take care of you, but you tell anybody else you have a broken mind, then it's like they think you're crazy, you know, and and it's just that stigma. So I'll I'll continue to talk about mental health forever on this podcast, that it just needs to be accepted. There is nothing wrong with being, I keep on saying sick in your head, but like if you think about, you know, being sick in any other part of your body, you're not ashamed to talk about it. But yeah. if anyone talks about depression, then instantly they think, you know, you're deranged. You've got these issues that you really don't have. You're just dealing with a different part of your body. Yeah. And um, I'm glad that you bring it up. And it's not just to talk about the oil. It's to talk about just getting the help that you need to be yeah. the best version you can be of yourself for you and your family.
1: Yeah. And I would um, say with, a, with, with Christians, we, we sometimes push it aside. I mean, we'll pray for someone in the altar all day long for cancer. Yeah, you know, to be healed of cancer, and 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 our pastor does, you know, talk on on depression and and praying to break that cur- or bondage. But it's the people that <laughs> that think people who are depressed or have anxiety or battle that are less holy or less of a Christian, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's the furthest from the truth. Right. I think sometimes we're the ones fighting the hardest you right. know, to get on the other side and share that right? Um, because it's a story that it's an issue that God felt I could deal with and, and battle through mm-hmm. to help somebody else. And so right. that's my mindset is let me do what I need to do to get better and help other people through it.
0: Right. Absolutely. The whole point of the podcast is there's power in sharing your story.
1: Yeah.
0: When you share your story – you take yourself out of the isolation and the darkness because you're not hiding for what you went through and you get to come alongside somebody and help them and show them that it's okay, that you're normal. Everybody goes through these certain things that you're just kind of not seeing it because you're up in it right now. So, 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 so important to share your story and come alongside somebody, speak some truth into them when they need it the most, when they feel like they have nothing left to offer at that point. Before we like wrap up things, there's one other thing I want to talk to you about is you kept saying like your whole, almost like your catchphrase is, but God, can you tell me a little bit about that in your life as we wrap up the but God moments?
1: Uh, One, my dad, you know, I can share his story, but it ultimately ends with but God, Mm -hmm. but God stepped in, Um, you know. I always get emotional talking about my, my dad. <laughs> I don't know it's why.
0: okay. It's okay.
1: But, you know anything with that going? Um, you know to the doctor the day that I had to go to the doctor with my daughter and say um, we're having this issue. It's like within twenty four hours. I, I mean, Tim, I'm not exaggerating. Within twenty four hours of her first dose, we had a different kid, and in mm-hmm. a good way. She would she could you know think through things, and while that was medicinal. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was, but God
2: mm-hmm. he gave
1: me the courage to go into that doctor's office and, and, you know, not care what anybody else thought, but put her first and get uh-huh. her on a, on a path. that's not sent down the same road I went down. Um, just, I feel like every day there's a, but God moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We just have to look for them. Um, yeah. there's blessings all around us. So I feel like my story is should end. It should be titled Unmasked because I've removed the masks and brought them to light. Um, and ultimately, but God has stepped in. <laughs> no. So.
0: No, I love it. I think all the different things that we talked about today really could be a podcast all on their own. You know, obviously, okay. you know, we glanced over a little, you know, a, a depression is a lifelong thing and an anxiety is a lifelong thing and battling this eating disorders and growing up and not feeling good enough and your dad being addicted to drugs, all those things, you could really stretch them out a little bit longer. Um, But I feel it's important just to touch on all these different things to, look, I'm one person. I've dealt with all these things, but look, I've come through it on the other side, you know, with God's grace. Am I still going to deal with these things? Absolutely. Because like we talked about at the beginning, nobody is perfect. Nobody has all their crap together at all. You know, they're all living under a mask or a filter and a different lens and, it's so important to share your story and come out, bring it to people, let them feel normal, let them feel know they're accepted. And I know you've already spoke to different people throughout the whole podcast, but if just one final thing you could say, just to offer hope to, I don't know if you're speaking to women, men, anybody in general, just hope and encouragement to get through all the different things in life on a daily basis. What would be your final thing to say?
1: I think my final thing would be to make the decision to put you first. That would probably sum up every, you know, every area of my life, you know, growing up with a drug addif- addicted father, you know, now I've decided to put myself first to unmask every issue I've ever dealt with, bring it to light. Um, I've done so, you know, through medicine, through oils, uh, but ultimately I have went to the foot of the cross with everything. Mm hmm. And I um, listened to a sermon a couple weeks ago. A, a gentleman spoke at our church, and you know we pr- kind of touched on this. So I'm not going to be as great as he did, but you know he said, for years we prayed, "God come to me, God come to me, God help me," and he did when he when he di- when he sent his son to die on the cross. So. Why are we not going to Him with stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, It's changed my, just in two or three weeks of hearing it, I mean, it's changed my prayer life. It's changed a lot because no longer am I saying, God help, God come. I'm stepping towards Him and Mm -hmm. taking stuff to Him. So I would say to those people, men, women, whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, um, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, you could enter into that throne room and ultimately, Go to him with anything you... I mean, the veil was torn. Mm-hmm. Walk in, set it down, and just move on with life. You're going to deal with things, but stop picking it back up. Whatever, if it's addiction, whatever it is, just run, crawl, walk, skip. Yeah. I don't know how you, get, <laughs> how you gotta get there. Just get there. So
0: That's awesome. I don't think you could... End it any better than that. Uh, Bobby, I I can't thank you enough for coming on today and taking off your mask and being vulnerable enough to share your story, multiple stories, with all the people who are going to listen to it. And I always talk about if one person can be impacted by your story, then you've made all the world a difference. And I know this will be more impactful than just one person. So what I do ask for people is, you know, Bobby, if anybody wants to reach out to you and get more information about what you've been through or – ask for advice or something, how can they reach out to you?
1: Um, They can email me. They can text me. Do you want me to give you my information?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Give me your email, and we'll put it in the show notes so people have access to it when your podcast goes live, and um, we can go from there. But thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been my honor. I mean, I've got to know you for the last couple years, but now I feel like I really got to know you, and I, I think it's really amazing who you are and what you stand for and what you've gone through. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, I appreciate thanks for asking and dealing with my emotional voice today.
0: <laughs> you did a great job. Have a great day, Bobby.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Tim.
0: Well, I really appreciate Bobby coming on the show today and it was so important for her to share all these various topics about her life. And I remember talking to Bobby before she even came on the show and she was very nervous about people starting to see her business and things like that and Then she took a step back and told me, you know what, if God can use me and use my story to help one person, then I've done enough, then it means a lot. So I really appreciate her for being brave and vulnerable and coming forward today and sharing a lot of her story. And what an incredible name she came up with unmasked for the show. And it really gives you perspective if you stop and think about on a daily basis How many of us are wearing a mask in real life? I mean, really think about it. Are you wearing a mask at your job? Are you wearing a mask in your marriage? Are you wearing a mask with your friends? Are you wearing a mask with God? And keep on so forth and so on. And I think, I don't think we necessarily wear masks to be deceitful. I think we wear masks to guard ourselves from being hurt. You know, and Bobby talked about that. She didn't want anyone to see her ugliness in her life. Even though it's a perceived ugliness, and it really wasn't an ugliness that she had. But we all have that perceived ugliness, right? And fill in the blank for the things I talked about before. Marriage, job, friendship, so forth and so on. And it's so easy to get up every morning. Oh gosh, i got to put on the mask. Oh gosh, i got to go here. got to put on the mask. Going to church, put on the mask. And it gets exhausting, Right? But what Bobby talks about is freedom from that, is coming out from beyond, behind that mask and sharing your real authentic self. Taking that mask off and letting God step in and let people see you through God's eyes how he sees you and redeeming you through all the things that you've been through in your life and your struggles. So I'm challenging you guys today, think about it. We all wear a mask, even if you don't want to, Every time, I mean, it could be in a tense situation all of a sudden, put, quick, put the mask on. Okay, I feel better now. Because it guards you, it guards your heart. And if I can challenge you guys today through Bobby's story alone, take off that mask. And every time you get scared and you're getting ready to put the mask on, freeze for a second, freeze for a second. Take a deep breath, be still and know that God is there and let him intervene in your life and put that mask away. People want to see the real you. And you might be scared that someone's going to reject you because of the real you and your perceived ugliness of yourself. But you're never going to know until you take that mask off, step into those blessings God has for you, and let people see you for the real you. Something else I kind of thought fascinating in Bobby's story is when she kept talking early on, you know, the big premise of her overall story was her father with his drug addiction and what that led to in her life as she was talking about the different things about not being good enough and the not being good enough leading to being a perfectionist and not leading to an eating disorder and that leading to depression and anxiety and she kept saying that you know I was just a single child but really it was her her mom her dad and that addiction So her whole life, she was battling that addiction along with her father, along with her mother. And I want you guys to think about that in your own life. What else is in your family circle? There may be your mom, your dad, or you, your spouse, your children, in that other thing. What is that other thing? If you remember Taylor Moliterno coming on and talking about her uh, beautiful baby Frankie Joy, being born, stillborn, and the loss that she suffered during that. But what she talked about with the loss of her cousin, and when she went to our counseling, and they said, you know what, you're in a love triangle. It's you, your husband, and your grief. Until she had that revelation, she wasn't able to deal with what was going on to be able to get healthy and start to try to have babies. And think about that with your life. Are you in a love triangle with you, your spouse, and an addiction? You, your spouse, and some shame? You, your spouse, and something else or a friendship? And I think if you can stop and try to identify that other thing that you're competing against, it's not even a real person, but it is a real thing. It's a real thing that could put a stranglehold on your life. And guess what? That thing that you carry around, it's been there for a while, right? So it's not easy to get rid of. But if you can take the time to get rid of the mask, identify what's that other thing that's in my relationships, that little thing that's invisible but yet weighs me down heavily every day, and identify that if you trust in God and accept his grace and accept his help and keep praying for freedom from that one thing, you will see results. You will see freedom. And once you start to see that freedom, you start to see your value in your relationships, in yourself and that you matter. And we talk about this on the podcast all the time, that God doesn't put us on the earth just to suffer, but through the suffering we can learn and to help others. And so many people that I've seen on this show who have gone through those things, and now I've seen them being used further and further because of their story, because of what they went through in their journey. So remember out there, your story is important. Everything you go through is very important. And to never downgrade or downplay what you're going through that it doesn't matter. Because it really does. And when you can start to accept that my story matters and what I'm going through. And you know what? You may be in the middle of your story right now. And you may be up in the struggle so hardcore that you don't see the other side yet where you can take something from your story, glean something from it, and help somebody. But if you can identify in the midst of your storm that God's going to be able to use me one day, that God's going to be able to identify what I'm going through and I'm going to be able to help someone else. If you can do that, your struggle will seem a little bit less. Not a little bit easier, but a little bit less to know that what you're going through will help somebody another day. That you're going to be able to come alongside someone and because of your suffering and your struggle, that you're going to be able to help them. So I can't thank Bobby enough for being here today, to being vulnerable and sharing all those different aspects of her life. Each carry their own amount of pain and shame and isolation like she said her final thing go to the cross any other way you have to get there get there lean on God rely on God and let him use you and your story as a testimony for others well I can't thank you guys enough for listening to the show today downloading it and being part of the community and I really want to hear from you guys I want more people on the show I'm looking for more people to be on the show to tell these amazing stories, to help people. Like I said in earlier part, we've already had over 7,000 downloads. And like I said, that may not be a lot to these bigger podcasts that they get hundreds of thousands every week, but it's big to me and it's big to our community. That means people are being impacted. So please reach out to me at timunwrittenlifepodcast.com. Tell me about you. Tell me about your story because it matters and I want to share it. Also, check us out on Facebook at the Unwritten Life Podcast. That's where the group is, where the conversation is going on most of the week, and that is the community that's being built every single day. And we can also be found on Instagram, Unwritten Life Podcast, and we talk about that's where we share photos for people who are being on the show and also the show notes at unwrittenlifepodcast.com. We do have pictures of people and their families, their contact information, so you can reach out to them and let them know the impact they have made on you for being on the show. So we've come to the end of yet another episode, but this is not the end of your life, end of your journey at all. Remember that you matter, you can make a difference, and your story is still unwritten.